My name is Annie Lewis. Welcome to The Riv, a podcast brought to you by The Daily Advertiser. In this series, I'll be bringing you a selection of incredible stories about people and events that have shaped the Riv Arena over the past 200 years. In this last episode of The Riv, we speak to self-described country town lawyer Kevin Foley, who made international headlines when he brought a case against one of the world's most recognised authors. When author J.K. Rowling wrote the follow-up to her acclaimed Harry Potter debut, she probably never dreamt that a character with sharpened fangs might rise up in the night to bite. Chapter 10 of The Chamber of Secrets refers to the Wagga Wagga werewolf, a creature who, true to its name, transforms from a human into a dangerous wolf on the night of a full moon. While the boastful Professor Gildroy Lockhart claims to have vanquished it, in 2009 a nemesis arose in the regional city of New South Wales. Kevin Foley has been a fixture in Wagga Wagga courtrooms for many decades, taking on countless pro bono cases due to a desire to stick up for the underdog. Then, one day, he came across a case that would take him to the other side of the world and generate international attention. In 2009, Foley was approached by the estate of the late author Adrian Jacobs, wanting to bring a lawsuit against J.K. Rowling and her publishers. The estate alleged that the Harry Potter author had plagiarised parts of Jacobs's own wizarding adventure novel, Willie the Wizard, when writing her fourth book in the series, The Goblet of Fire. I have connections in uh, London, and uh, not only in London, but in other places overseas, and um, that uh, the um, person who uh, got uh, instructed me originally in relation to the matter had come out to Australia to visit uh, his brother, who was in Australia, and was com- was upset that he couldn't get um, uh, the case uh, off the ground, so to speak, in in in, uh, in London. He had actually instructed uh, London solicitors, uh, but they um, uh, obviously uh, needed uh, a lot of money up front to to uh, commence the proceedings. He didn't have the money. There was another problem, and that was that the intellectual property of the works of Adrian Jacobs, the person who wrote the little book. Willie the Wizard uh, was uh, had to be transferred, and uh, he was very concerned that he uh, couldn't get the thing underway. The basis of the case was the allegation that Jacobs had taken his book, The Adventures of Willie the Wizard, to literary agent Christopher Little. However, Little told him it needed a lot of work and declined to publish it, but Jacobs left a number of copies with him. In 1987, Jacobs had written Willie's story, and more than a decade later, Little and Bloomsbury Publishing released J.K. Rowling's fourth book in 2000. This later led to the allegation that some of the ideas in her works came from Jacobs's book. Now, Willie the Wizard, was, he had a lot of ideas. He used to play wizard chess, and he used to go on wizard trains. He used to rescue uh, prisoners, uh, etc., and all this stuff. And all those were ideas in his little book. Now, he, as I said in the article that they interviewed me on some years ago, I said, look, nobody's suggesting it was a work of art, nobody in, in, uh, of brilliance or, or great literary credit, that, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was that those ideas were there. Now, that book was published. It was uh, sold at the Frankfurt uh, Book Fair, and it was common ground that that book had been written... I forget the name of it, the date now, but anyhow, some years before her first book, it gets the international publishing number on it, as you know. And it had been uh, taken round schools and various other things uh, with Adrian Jacobs at that time. So there was no doubt that that book, in fact, that wasn't even contested. We prepared a huge number of documents in relation to it, comparing the 
what was in the Willie the Wizard book with what was in uh, particularly one of her books, famous books of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Foley says he never suggested that Rowling was not a brilliant writer without her own ideas, but rather the allegation at its core was that some of her ideas came from Willie the Wizard book. When Foley took on the case, he says he imagined the legal teams for the defence thought it was a scam and that a lawyer from Wagga Wagga would never show up in the High Court of London. But, as Foley says, he was David, ready to take on Goliath. It was put, you know, that, that it was some kind of scam, and I said, listen, if I thought this was a scam or anything I would like that, I'd have nothing to do with it. I took the view then, and I still do, that we had, we had uh, reasonable grounds for the case. They thought, <laughs> they, they thought that, uh, well, Wagga Wagga in, in, in England is, called, is kind of, uh, you know, like Lilliput and, and Jonathan Swift. They, they think it's some, some place that never existed. When I went to London and walked into the High Court in London and announced my appearance there, they looked at me and I, I remember thinking of the famous scene in uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth when uh, Banquo appears at Macbeth's uh, feast, and uh, uh, you know, I imagine the, the look that was on their face, they thought, actually, he does exist. This is, a, this is for real. <laughs> now, what happened was that um, we uh, went, uh, we were four days at hearing in the High Court in London before Mr Justice Kitchens, uh, where the other side, um, uh, that's Bloomsbury Publishing Company and J.K. Rowling, whose name is jo- Joanne Murray, and sued and sued as sued as that, um, made an application to strike out our claim, and uh, after four days hearing, and Justice Kitchens re- reserved his decision, and then came out and uh, said, yes, there's a case here that we can proceed, and at that stage we were looking very good. The ruling was a big win for the Jacobs estate, but they were soon brought crashing down to earth. The defence lodged an application with the court for £1 million from the estate, as surety to guarantee they could pay costs if their lawsuit was unsuccessful. It was a sum the bankrupt estate could not possibly raise despite their best efforts. Well, we couldn't come up with the money. and We had two or three companies that were interested in financing us as litigation lenders, but they got cold feet halfway through the thing and, and wouldn't go any further on it. So we were in the situation that we couldn't come up with a million pounds sterling and we couldn't proceed any further with the case, and that's it in a nutshell. But where we were at, at, to, at prior to that stage, we'd, we'd run pretty well in the court and we were looking good, but we couldn't go any further. And indeed, if we'd had the money to proceed, it might have been a very different outcome. The English Court of Appeals struck out the case in London when the estate of Jacobs did not lodge the money. As such, the allegations were never proven in a court of law. Foley had spent hours and hours working free of charge on the case as he believed then, and still to this day that it had merit. When it stopped dead in the water, he was not paid a cent for his work as he had agreed to do it pro bono. I did a huge amount of work on it. What I used to do, I used to work till, you know, about two o'clock in the morning uh, and sometimes even later. And I'd be fronting up, that was London, to, so we were fitting in with London time, and then come back and, and, and be here the same morning uh, at my desk here and work all day. And um, that didn't do a real lot for my health kind of thing. And so, uh, But having said that, um, uh, you know, I was pretty determined. I, I thought the case had merit and it still has merit. Foley knew he was taking on one of the world's most recognised authors, but he maintains a sense of humour despite the toll it took. 
but I do notice that once she did uh, one of her books, uh, the, she had about the uh, Gilderoy Lockhart and the person who he vanquished uh, was the, the werewolf from Wagga Wagga. And I used to sign, <laughs> sign my letters sometimes, go, uh, Kevin Foley, 4W, the Wagga Wagga werewolf. Um, and just kind of tongue-in-cheek, of course, just a bit of fun. J.K. Rowling would never have thought, that, you know, in my wildest dreams, that this Wagga Wagga werewolf would come from the Antipodes to sewer. <laughs> I'm a member of the Wagga City Rugby Male Choir, and we did a tour of the UK uh, about, oh, I don't know how long, 10, 10, 12, 14 years ago, and we went to Edinburgh. And in Edinburgh, there's a cafe called the Elephant Cafe, which is apparently very famous with J.K. Rowling's, which got a beautiful view over to Edinburgh Castle. They didn't know who I was, and I went in there and sat down and ordered a coffee and something to eat. And I just sat there and I looked around the walls and all these uh, posters and all the news articles and all this type of thing about J.K. Rowling, the great hero, and if they only knew that the person they were was serving was the person it said. And I just thought to myself, isn't this an amazing situation? So I wouldn't dare tell them who I was. <laughs> I was quite an experience, yeah. yeah. While he admits the lawsuit took its toll, Foley has no regrets about taking on the case. He says it's taught him to be more circumspect about what he takes on. But at the end of the day, if someone needs help, Foley says he's only too happy to fight for the underdog. I have no intention to retire, so I just as long as I continue with what I'm doing, enjoy what I'm doing, looking after the basically the little people who have a bit of a struggle, um, well, then I'll do that. I'll continue to do that. So it obviously must be doing me some good because I'm still alive and <laughs> kicking. That's it for this episode of The Riv. Thank you for listening. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search The Riv. For Season 1, a new episode will drop weekly on Thursdays at 1pm. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review and tell your friends. The Riv is produced and presented by journalist Annie Lewis at ACM Paper, The Daily Advertiser, with special thanks to the paper's editor, Ross Tyson, and podcast producer, Laura Corrigan. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.